Gemara Erubin has been sponsored by Mr. Isaac Jamal and his wife Celia for their success, for their children's success, health, happiness, beracha, parnasav, atzlaha, bechol maaseh yedehem. Daf Samer Gimel. Today's daf has been dedicated by Mr. and Mrs. Stanley Cohen in honor of Aaron and Sarah Levy. Hashem Aleim Yichyu. Amen. Today's daf is being studied by Anun Shmat Acham Baruch, Rafael Ben Miriam, and Avraham Ben Esther. Ruach Hashem Tanechem Begin Eden. Amen. We are starting on daf Samich Bet Amucheni. And we are going to begin on the bottom line, uh, first word. We're in the middle of a sugya over here that is discussing the law of a student not being allowed to render a halachic decision in front of uh, his rabbi. So the Gemara is going to give uh, different examples and different uh, parameters of this law. So the Gemara says, Ore Rav Lav Hazda Ore Bechafre Bishne de Ravura. Lav Hazda made halachic rulings in the city of Capri in the years of Ravuna. Ravuna was Lav Hazda's rabbi. So the Gemara saying on Sahadush that even though Ravuna was alive, Lav Hazda did make halachic rulings. So that she tells us on the bottom, Bechafre, Shem Makom, Velo Ayam Mekomosh Ravuna. But that's not where Ravuna lived. Umekomo be Pompedita. Ravuna lived in Pompedita. Ushtehen bevavel. So you see over here a concept now that if the student is in a different city, it would be permissible to give a halachic ruling. Now the Tosafot explains that indeed Rav Chazda wasn't just a student of Ravuna. He was what's called a Talmid Haver. He was a student slash uh, colleague. And therefore, the shitab the Tosafot is that while it's forbidden for a regular student to give halachic rulings, no matter where the student is, but a Talmid Haver can give halachic rulings so long as he's at least three parsaot away from the rabbi. Three parsaot would be 12 mil, which would be about uh, 10 miles, let's say. So, so long as Tosfot Shita, Talmid Haver, in front of the rabbi, Asur. Three parsaot away, Mutar. Regular Talmid, even more than three parsaot, Asur. And therefore, Rav Hazda was Talmid Haver of Ravuna, and that is the uh, logic why he was allowed to make the ruling. Gemara continues on the Amud Rishon. Rabba Menuna Ore Behalta de Argaz Bishne de Rafazda. Rabba Menuna used to make halakhic rulings in the city called Harta de Argaz. So that she says the name of the city was Kharta and it was built by a guy called Argaz. Says Argaz was an Amgushi. Amgushi either means like a uh, uh, somebody involved in black magic or it could mean like a mean, a kofir that built the city. In any event, that's what Abu Munah gave, Allah rulings in the years of Nabhazda. 
even though the Chazda was alive again, the concept was they were in different uh, cities. Comes again and says, Ravina Sar Sakina Bebavil. Now there's a law that says if before a shochet makes shechita, the law says that he shows the knife to a tamir hakam. Now, the reason why he shows the knife to the tamir hakam according to Rashi is not necessarily to check to see if it is kasher or not, but it's more out of respect. There's a tamir hakam there, you show the knife to him to give him a kavod. It's another way to, to show the tamir hakam kavod. So it says, Ravina would, uh, would uh, look at the knives in Babel, even though his rabbi, Rav Asher, was in Babel. Now the Rosh explains, even though this was not halachic ruling, but still, it's the same concept. That, you know, if, even though his rabbi was around, he took that kavod for himself. So that she tells us, second line, Sar Sakina, Badak Sakin the Tabah. Velo Amrudar Ot Sakin the Hakam. The only reason why we show the knife to the Hakam, Elam Penekevodosh Hakam. In respect. Venimsa Ravina Notello Ateret Kavoda Ir. He was receiving the crown of honor of the city. Ravasher Rabo Bematam Masayahada. And his rabbi was in a different city. His rabbi was in the city of Matamachsayah. He was somewhere else. Therefore, he allowed himself to uh, look at the uh, to look at the knives. Now, Rav Nisim Gaon he understands that the concept of checking this knife was halachic, meaning he was checking it to see if there was any uh, any pigimot, any nicks in the knife. So, therefore, it's clearly that this was an issue of halakha. In any event. Either it was a kavod issue or a halakhic issue, but the point is that he did it in the same country of his rabbi in a different city. So Ahmad Asher, Asher, who was his rabbi, says, Why did you do this? Why did you allow yourself to check the knife? Ravamenuna was a student of Rav Hizda, gave halachic rulings in Harta de Argaz, even though Rav Hizda was still alive. Amarle, so Rav Ashe tells him, Lav ore itmar. He says, No, my rendering of that story says he did not give halachic rulings. I don't know where you got your text of your story from. He says, in my text it says that um, Rabbi Munah would not give halakhic rulings. Amar itmar ure ve itmar lo ure. Listen, there's two renderings. There's a text that says he gave halakha, and there's a text that said he didn't. How? Yeah, in the lifetime of Rav Huna, his rabbi, he did not give halakhic rulings. But he did give halakhic rulings in Rav Hazda's life. Why? Because the relationship between Rav Huna and Rav Hazda was Tamid Haver. So with Tamir Haver, the way we understood, has a little more latitude in giving halakhic rulings. So therefore, in the life of Rav Hazda, Rav Menuna gave halakhic rulings, again according to the Tosafot, three parsaot away. And therefore it was permissible. However, in the life of Rav Huna, where he was his 
legitimate student. He wasn't Talmud slash Chavez slash colleague. So therefore, he did not give a lucky rulings at all. So what does this guy do with Avashen Navina? So Navina concludes and says, Ve'ana namet tamid haver demor ana. He says, and me, to you, is also that same relationship, a tamid haver. And therefore, I allowed myself to give a halachic ruling uh, three parsaot away. So again, that's the logic of how Ravina checked the knife. He considered himself tamid haver of Rav Asher, and therefore, since he was out of the area of his rabbi, it was permissible. Rav Hazda regarding Rav Menuna, Rav Menuna regarding Rav Hazda, that was considered a tamid haver situation. Therefore, he allowed himself to give rulings even though he was still alive. And Rav Hamenuna legaber, Rav Huna was a straight out talmid. Therefore, he did not give rulings anyway, even beyond three parsaot. The only question is, what makes a tamid haver? So Rashi gives us his understanding of Tamir Haver. Let's read that Rashi, Tamir Haver. Hakam Kemoto, equal level of Hakam, Ela Shilamad Mimenu Dabar Ehad Oyoter. That he learned something, one or two things, let's say, from the rabbi. So therefore, you have two Hakamim. But if one of them learned something from the other, even a small amount, already that's called a Talmid. But basically, they are the same levels, it's called a Tamid Haver. That's the way that she understands. Comes the Gemara and continues. Amar Rabbah, Rabbah taught, Tsurbam Rabbanan Hazel Nafsheh. Tsurbam Rabbanan is a young Tamid Hakam. He's able to check for himself, meaning if it's his animal and he's making the shahita, he could check the knife himself. Because he does not have to show it to the Tamid Hakam. He's able to make the Bidikat uh, Sakin himself. Okay? That's what it means. Hazeh le Nafshe. tells a story. Ikla le Mehoza. Ravina once found himself in the city of Mehoza, in Babel. So his host, the place where he was staying, brought him the knife to show him the knife before they were going to make shahita. So he told him, Listen, I'm not the rabbi of the city over here. Go show the knife to Rava. So the host says, Lo savale lemor amar Rava surbam but don't you hold what Ravah says that uh, a Talmid Hakam, if it's for himself that he's eating, he could check it himself. Which means this food over here is for you. And therefore, we have the rule. Hazel and you can check it yourself. If you're benefiting from the ruling, you don't have to show it to another Talmid Hakam. So give us Amar le Anam Mizban Zavina. He said, It's your animal and uh, you're benefiting from it. I'm buying it from you. So therefore, it's different. When did we say that the Tamil Hakam could check it himself, the knife, and there's another rabbi? When it's his animal, and he's uh, uh, eating it himself, but from it's his. Here it wasn't his animal. It's you're benefiting it from because he's the host. He's selling it. I'm buying it. Therefore, he says, the law does not apply. Therefore, you're like a regular butcher. Regular butcher that's selling meat has to show it to the rabbi of the city. So then when Avinah did not let himself uh, look at the knife, he told him he has to go to Ravah. 
Alright, the parentheses over there just gives a siman for the next uh, couple of teachings. Rabbi El-Azhar Mehagronya. The Rav Aha. Change that to Rav Aha. The Rav Aha Bar Tahlifa. Those two rabbis. Ikli'u. They found themselves in the house of Lebe Rav Aha Bered Rav Ika. Be'atre de Rav Aha Bar Yaakov. And they were in the domain of the rabbi called Rav Aha Bar Yaakov. He was the rabbi of the, of the city. Ba'e Rav Aha Bered Rav Ika. So Rav Aha Bered Rav Ika wanted Lemi'ibadu Eglatilta. So he wanted to make for the rabbis Eglatilta. Eglatilta is a calf that grew a third of its growth. That she tells us that it's the tastiest at that, uh, at that point. That she then brings an alternate explanation that it means it's the third from the womb. And the third one that comes out, they call it Eglatilta. However, that she rejects that interpretation uh, because the Gemara tells us in Sanhedrin that there was a rabbi that every Friday used to make an Aglat Tilta using Sefer Yitzira, the book of uh, Avraham Abinu that you're able to you know, create things. Now, why would it call it an Aglat Tilta? There was no womb over there, he was creating it uh, from scratch. But if you explain it, Aglat that grew a third of its growth, yeah, he made it with that at that point. But to say Eglat Tata is the third from the womb, there was no womb over here. He created it from um, from the Shemot. So therefore, uh, she opts for the first opinion that it's an animal that grew one third of his growth. In any event, Rav Acha Bered Rav Ika wanted to make for the rabbis. Eglat Tata, Kavod, Hachemim all gathering together. Aiteh Sakina. So he brought the knife before Shechita. Vekam Mahvelehu. So he went to show it to the rabbis. That's the deen, show it to the rabbis. Amal Lehu Rav Acha Bar Tachlifa. So Rav Aha Bar Tahlifa, who was one of the rabbis that was there, says, Lo lihush Shouldn't we show it to the rabbi of the city? Who is that? The Rav Aha Bar Yaakov? Shouldn't the, the Kavod give it to the rabbi of the city to look at it? Amar Lehu Rabbi Lehazar Mahagronia. So Rabbi Lehazar from Mahagronia says, Hachi Amar Ravah. Listen, Ravah has taught us already, Surba Merabbanan Hazel Nafsheh. Bin Tamir Hakam, if he's eating from the animal, he checks it himself. We don't have to go to show it to the, to the rabbi of the city. We're eating it for ourselves. We can make the uh, checking of the knife ourselves. The Gemara says, Hazeh. So he checked the knife. And what happened? Ve'ainish. Ve'ainish to be l'azad me'agronia. He got punished. Which means something happened to him. Why? The question is, why should something happen to him? He was following the law. So the Gemara says, What do you mean? We just said that the Tabir Hakam could check it himself if he's eating from it, if he's benefiting from it. Shani Hatam. Gemara has a big difference over here. They started to give Abahabar Yaakov the Kavod. Which means, once already his name was mentioned, let's show it to Rabbi Habar Yaakov, now already you can't say, nah, we can check it ourselves. If his name didn't come up, good. But once already you're starting to give the chief kavod, now already you can't pass on him and go somewhere. There's a different dynamic in the story. Or we could say a different answer. Shani Rav Habar Yaakov Demuflag Rav Habar Yaakov is different He was a Zaken and a Tamir Hakam Meaning he was a uh, uh, An elderly sage When did we say you could check it yourself If you're not going against A Tamir Hakam Muflag Bechokma Ubezikna 
In the case of Rabbi Chabad Yaakov, he was muflag b'chokmah v'zikna, so therefore they should not have allowed themselves to check it themselves. Comes the Gemara now and tells a another law. Amarava ul afrushem isura. If let's say a talmid is standing in front of his rabbi and he sees somebody making isur, he sees somebody doing something that's forbidden. So where do we stand regarding that? Can the talmid, can the young, can the talmid now stop the sinner in front of the rabbi, or does he have to defer? To the rabbi. So the Gebaran says, Ulafrushem is surah, Even in front of the rabbi, even if it's a regular Talmud, you stop the guy from making the Isur. Ravina, Abba Yatif committed Rav Asher. Gebaran tells a story. Ravina was in front of Rav Asher. Hazya lahu gabra, so he saw a person, the ka'asal le lehamre betsinata bishabbeta. He saw a guy tying his uh, donkey to the tree, to the palm tree on Shabbat. Now we know you're not allowed to use trees on Shabbat. Right? The rabbi's made a gizera, you cannot use a tree. So this guy's using the tree, he's tying his animal to the tree. Rama be kala. So what happened? Ravina let out a scream to him. Hey, no, what are you doing? The guy paid no attention to him. Amar so Ravina said, Leheve hai gabra bishamata. Let this man over here be in Harim. They put him in Harim for being Alan Shabbat. Now, the point is, he did this in front of his rabbi. So Amar le, so he told him, Ki hai gavna, mi mitchaza, ki ifkaruta. So he asked his rabbi after the fact. He said, by the way, what I just did, is it considered the chutzpah? That I, you know, made a uh, ruling in front of you? Amar le, so Rabbi tells him, in chokmah, ve in tibuna, ve in aitzah, le neged Hashem. Which means there is no uh, 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 strategies or advice or chokhmah against the will of God. Meaning, kol makom sheish bochelul Hashem en cholkim kavod darav. When there's cholul Hashem taking place, you do not have to give kavod to the rabbi. You don't start using their logic and reasons. When there's isur taking place, you stop the isur. You don't start to defer to a tamir hakam. Only question is. Yeah, it's nice that he did do it right, but he only asks after the fact. He should have asked them uh, before. So I saw the um, uh, some of the Mephashim explain over here. So Rabbeinu Yonatan explains like this. As we learned earlier, Ravina was considered a Talmid Haver of Rab Asheh. So therefore what he was saying like this, for sure for me I know what's allowed. Because I'm a Talmid Haver. I want to know in such a scenario for a regular Talmud that normally is not allowed to give halakhic ruling. In that case, uh, would it be uh, would it be permissible? So that's one way of learning. Now, according to the Shittab the Tosafot, this is a little difficult to understand because Tosafot holds that even a Talmud Haver cannot give ruling only if he sleeps away. So therefore, technically, he should have been asking even for himself because here he was. So therefore, according to that shita, uh, someone to say, so someone to say like this, that uh, he had a Kabbalah from his rabbi, meaning Ravina had a Kabbalah already, that this item is mutar. He just uh, thought that maybe the Kabbalah that he had, that it's mutar. He was going and knowing it's mutar. He just didn't know the parameters of how mutar it is. 
which means he was asking his rabbis, and I know it's mutar already, but maybe he was only mutar because I'm a tamid haver. But what about a regular talmid? Would a regular talmid also be allowed to do this? So therefore, this could be the explanation according to the Tosafot. Meaning really a regular halachic ruling. You have to be three parasot away if you're a tamid haber. Ravina knew, however, that lehafish surah it's mutar even bifanab. So he went. So now, he asked his rabbi after the fact, listen, uh, I know tamid haber could do this uh, in front of the rabbi. Could a regular tamid do it? He says, Yes, even a regular tamid can stop uh, somebody from doing isur. Now the Gemara gives us the punishment of such a thing. Amar Rava. Bifanav asur v'hayav mitah. To give Allah a ruling in front of the rabbi, if it's in front of him, so then already the punishment is what? Hayav mitah. Now again, according to Tosfot, in front means, not only in front, but even up to, three parsaot is still considered bifanav. Shelo bifanav asur. Shalom al-Fanab, meaning, uh, not in front of him, meaning away from, let's say, three parsaot. It's asur, ve'en hayav mitah. But there is no hayuv mitah on such a thing. Ve'shalom al-Fanab, no. So what do you mean? You tell me that there's no hayuv mitah. Now again, we're talking about mitah, meaning mitah b'deshamayim. Mitah b'deshamayim means, he dies, uh, he dies young. Dies before the age of 60. In any event, the Gemara questions that. There's no death. We have a Braita. The Braita says, let me get the names here. This would be here. Let's see the rabbi's name. Okay. Rabbi Al-Azhar Omer, Rabbi Al-Azhar taught, Lo metu bene Aharon, the sons of Aaron Nadab Avihu, they died. Why? Al Chehoru Halacha Bifne Moshe Rabban. Only because they gave a halachic ruling in the presence of Moshe Rabbeinu. Nadab Avihu, when they went into the uh, Mishkan that day on the Chodesh Nisan, on the day of the inauguration of the Mishkan, they died. What was the cause of their death? So the Gemara is telling us all because they gave halakha in front of Moshe. What was the halakha? So the Gemara says, my darush, what was the derasha? It says in the Pasuk, The Torah tells us that the sons of Aharon have to put a fire on the Mizbayah. So they said the following, Even though that day, the fire on the Mizbeah actually came down from heaven. Actually, that was a daily miracle. That the Mizbeah was fueled by a fire that was miraculous. So they said, even though the fire on the Mizbeah is coming down from Shamayim, Mitzvah lehavi min Still it's a Mitzvah to bring from regular fire. Meaning, and therefore they brought what was called Esh Zara. Meaning, the fire was there, but they still went and took more wood and more fire, and they added it to the Mizbayah. And they learned that from the Pasuk, Meaning, not only the, uh, the miraculous fire, but they actually have to put their own fire. Now, the question is not from this part of the statement. Because this part of the statement clearly says they were in front of Moshe, they gave Allah a ruling, and they died. Okay, so we understand that that's the deen. When you give a halakha b'fanav, you die. The only question is, why is this considered giving a halakhic ruling? And the, clearly the pasuk says, V'natenu b'nei Aharon akuhen eshalam izbayah. That's Moshe's ruling. 
And so they're only reading a pasuk that Moshe Rabbeinu taught them, that the sons of them have to put a fire on the Mizbeah. That's not considered more halakha b'fnei Rabban. So there's different interpretations how to explain this. One explanation is as follows. Could be when the pasuk says, it was talking about in the times of when, when there was no miraculous fire coming down from heaven. And therefore, when there's no miraculous fire, then I don't have to put the, the fire himself. Which means, that pasuk is opened up for interpretation. Or you can learn the pasuk like this. Yeah, take from the miraculous fire, pick it up and put it on the mezbeah. Who told you that you take from the hediot? Who told you that you take from regular wood and put it on the mezbeah? So therefore, this pasuk is open for interpretation. They came along and said, even though there's a miraculous fire, we're going to take fire from a different source and put it on. So that was already considered a more halakha. They should have went to Moshe and said, listen, we know this pasuk, but what's the, what's the dirash on this pasuk? It's vague. Even today we should put wood on the Mizbah, even though there's a... Should we take from the Hidyot? Does it mean we should just lift up some fire that's on the Mizbah and just put it back down so we do a Maaseh? Since they already gave the psak, so therefore they were punished. So comes the Gabbana and says... Now, here's where the question is from this point. And there was a Talmid that... And he gave a halachic ruling in front of him. So Rabbi Eliezer told the student's wife, his wife's name was Ima Shalom. So he told the student's wife, He says, I'd be shocked if this man finishes his year. And he did not finish his year, he died. Amra lo, so the wife said to Rabbi Eliezer, Navi'ata, she's your prophet. Amar la lo navi'anokhi velo ben navi'anokhi. So I'm not a prophet, I'm not the son of a prophet. Elakak mekubbelani, I have a tradition. Kol amore halakha b'fnei rabbo, hayav mitah. That anybody that says a halakha in front of his rabbis, hayav mitah. Right? So what's the question? No question on this whole story either. This was b'fnei rabbo. Ah, so now we have the detail. One detail. You know, the, the name of that student was Yehuda ben Guria Shemo. His name was Yehuda ben Guria. And the Gemara says that, and he was three parsaot away. He wasn't Bifanav really. He was three parsaot away and still. He got punished. So you see what? Even Shelo Bifanav, you get uh, Mitah. So how could you tell me above that what? Shelo Bifanav Asur, but no Hayyub Mitah. Here you see the student was three parsot away and still, they came down on him. He died within the year. So the Gemara said, no, no, no. Bifanav Hava. He was Bifanav. So the Gemara says, what do you mean? How could you tell me he was Bifanav? Veharra Hotme Minus Shalosh Persaot Ka'amar. The d- part of the story was that you're telling me what that we see three parsaot away. That, that was that was the story. When the story was told over, it was said that there was three parsaot away. Now you come along and tell me yeah, he was in front of him. Make up your mind. So the Gemara says that. According to your logic, that you want to tell me that when it says he was three parsaot away, you're taking that literal 
He says, can't be. Why? Shemov v'shem Aviv Lama. Why did the Gemara go out of its way to tell me his name? And the rabbi went, Talmid. His name was Yehuda ben Guria. It's giving us all the details of who the guy was, right? Why would the who cares? Tell me, there was a student. Why does the Gemara have to go out of its way to tell me details? You know why? Because we don't want you to think that this was a mashal, that this was like a, you know, an example. No, this really happened. There was a student. We didn't tell you his name. And you know what? We're going to tell you where the student lived. He lived three parasaot away from the rabbi. But he made the ruling in front of him. Which means we're just giving you the details of the guy's life. His, his name was Yudab bin Guriyah. His address was three parasaot away from... Uh, Rabbi Eliezer, he happened to make a ruling in front of Rabbi Eliezer, and that's why he does. So, well, it's no contradiction against the rule that taught us that Shelo Bifanab Asur Be'enu Hayab Mita. Comes again when I continue. Amar of Hayab and Abamar of Yohanan. Call Amore Halakha Bifner Abbo. Anybody that gives a logic rendering in front of the rabbi, Ra'ui Lahakishon Nahash. He's worthy to be bitten by a poisonous, deadly snake. So the Pasuk supports this, the Gemara supports this from a Pasuk in Iyov. Vayahan Elihu ben Berachel Habuzi was one of Iyov's friends. Vayomar, Tsa'ir Ani Liyamin. He said, listen, I'm, I'm young, I'm going to quote the end of the Pasuk. Vayatem Yeshishim, and you guys are older than me. Alken Zahalti. He says, therefore I am scared. And the end of the pasuk says, "Va'ira mehavot da'i etchem." I am scared to give my opinion. So you see that this fellow Elihu bin Berachel did not want to say a um, halacha in front of the friends of Yov because they were older and smarter. And what's the language he used? He says, "Zahalti," meaning I was scared. And we have another pasuk that says, "Uchtiv imhamat zohale afar." What does Imhamad Zuhali Afar mean? Meaning with the uh, with the uh, venom of the one that slithers. What is that? The snake. So you see Zuhale is the one that slithers. That's the snake. And he said Zuhalti. So then when you see, I'm scared. What are you scared of? I'm scared that if I give a halakha in front of you, I'll be worthy to be bitten by a snake. So that's where they learn it from. Comes again and says, Zi'idi Amar Rabbi Harina Nikra Choteh. Not only that, but the person that gives a halakha in front of his rabbi is considered called a sinner. Shne'emar, we have a pasuk in Tehilim. What does David Amalekh say? Belibi safanti imratecha lema'ano ihitalach. David Amalekh says, I kept my opinion in my heart. I hid it in my heart in order that I shouldn't sin in front of you. We're talking about a halakha. Meaning, David Amir knew a lot of halakhot. But as long as his rabbi was alive, he says, Bilibi safanti imratecha. I kept your words in my heart. Why? Implying that what? That if he would have said the halakha in front of his rabbi, he would be considered a choteh. We consider it sinner. Rabbi Menunah, Rabbi Rabbi Menunah brings a contradiction in Pesukim and Tehillim. One pasuk says, Bilibi safanti imratecha. And I kept it in my heart. Uchtiv, another pasuk says, Bisar ti sedek bekahal rav. I broadcasted sedek, your Torah, in public. Make up your mind. Did he keep it in his heart or did he broadcast it in public? Lakashya. Kan bizman shi'ira ya'iri kayam. Kan bizman shi'in ira ya'iri kayam. Ira ya'iri was David Amalek's rabbi. 
So as long as Ayri was alive, he kept it in his heart. Bilibi safati imnatecha. If the Ayri died, then it says bisarti sedek mekal rab. Then I broadcasted the Torah in public. And Tosfot just says that Ayri, he was a Kohen, as we're going to see. Uh, but the point is that they called him Ya'iri, because Ya'iri really is somebody that comes from Menashe. Ya'ir bin Menashe. So it must be his father was from Shevet Aharon, and his mother must have been from Menashe, so they called him Ya'iri based on his mother's affiliation. In any event, the Gemara says, Amar Rabbi Abba Bar Zabda, Kol anoten matinotav lekohen ehad, anybody that gives all his matanot kehuna to one kohen, mevi ra'av le'olam. He brings a famine to the world. Meaning the Jew is obligated to give different entitlements to the Kohen. So you're supposed to split it up. But if you give all the entitlements to one Kohen, you cause a famine to come to the world. David. It says, was the Kohen for David. So the Gemara says, what does that mean, Kohen for David? David the Kohen what do you mean? He was only a Kohen for David, but not for anybody else? He was his private Kohen in the sense that he would send them all his matanot. What does it say after that? And there was a famine in the times of David. Now what's the, what's the logic of it? Why should giving your matanot to the Kohen bring a famine? So one explanation is, because you're starving the other Kohanim by not giving them the matanot. So everybody Olam says, you want to starve them? They'll make a famine for the whole, for the whole nation. Uh, another explanation is the... The Benish High says that when one gives matanot keuna, it says it brings berachah le'olam. However, in this case over here, the way the Benish High says is David was giving it to one kohen. Now, why did he give it to one kohen? Either because you're getting favors from him, or because you have a certain uh, relationship, so it's personal a little. So now you took from this mitzvah that's able to bring berachah le'olam, and now it's tainted a little. Now you're doing it for personal benefit. So therefore, the berachah doesn't come to the world, and therefore, but benan. The punishment would be the opposite of Berachah, and Ra'ad came to the world. Comes Gemaran says, another law. Rabbi Eliezer Omer. Now we're going back. Somebody that gives a halachic ruling in front of his rabbi, Muridin Otomik Dulato. So he's lowered from his stature. Shene Emar. The Pasuk says, Vayomer El Azara Kohen. Now let's review the history over here. And Azar Kohen, after the Jewish people came back from the war of Midian, El Azar got up and he told the Jewish people the law of Hagala. All the Kedim now that you took from the Goyim, how you have to kosher them. So it was El Azar that gave the Allah. Of course, Moshe Rabbeinu was right there. So the Gemara says, Afalgav the Amar Lehu. Even though when he said the halachot of Hagala, he said, Le'ahi Abba Siva. Which is, these laws are not mine. It was said to my father's brother. Elazar was the son of Aharon. His father's brother is Moshe. Actually, the Pasuk itself says, and I quote, Vayomer Elazar Akun Moshe. So he clearly said, this is the law of Moshe. Ve'oti lo Siva. And I wasn't the one that got the law. Still, I feel like, hey, it doesn't matter. Moshe is there, 
You said the law, you got punished. Where do you see you got punished? Because the Pasuk says regarding Yehoshua bin Nun. The Torah says, God told Yehoshua, anytime you're going to have a question, you will go to El Azara Kohen, he has the Udim Vitumin, you will ask him your query, and El Azara will give you an answer. So what is that doing to El Azara? It puts him very high. It put El Azara Kohen even higher than Yehoshua. But what happened? But we never found that Yehoshua ever needed him. Which means as a result of Elazar giving a halakha in front of Moshe, they lowered him from his stature. Means <laughs> before that, could have been Yeshua might have come to him with a shayla, with a kavod. Elazar is getting a shayla from the leader. Never happened. Why? Because he said once a halakha in front of Moshe, even though he said it in the name of Moshe. Comes again and says, Amar Rabbi Levi. Call the motiv milah kamera by anybody that uh, uh, responds and answer, says an answer. Or word, or halakha again, in front of his rabbi, azil nish'ol, barmanan, he goes to the death, below valad, without children. Ahmad al-Sinan, shnei imar, the pasuk says, baya'an Yoshua bin nun misharet Moshe min bachorav, vayomer, vayomar, adoni Moshe kila'im. Let's review that story. There was two prophets called Eldad, Umedad. They were prophesizing in the camp. Okay, the prophecy was actually Moshe met the Yoshua Machnis. Moshe is going to die and Yoshua is going to bring the people in. And Yoshua comes to Moshe Rabbeinu and says, Moshe, punish them. Kila'em. Kila'em means uh, incarcerate them. Meaning uh, put them in uh, prison. Punish them for giving such a prophecy. So what do you see? He's giving halakha now in front of Moshe. He's telling Moshe Rabbeinu what to do. So what happens? When you look at the lineage of Yoshua, the Pasuk says, Nun Beno. Nun was the son of his father, meaning Elishama, that's the, not written in this. Yoshua Beno. And his son, meaning Nun's son, was Yoshua. And it ends. We don't see the lineage continuing that Yoshua had any children. So they, where did it come from? Because, huh? Shem? Dafru Shem Isura, they were doing something wrong. Dafru Shem Isura. Let me think for a moment. But in any event, you see that what? Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, he was there, and he was giving him a halal. Uh, no, it's not so. He wasn't, there was nothing in Isura. There's nothing to Dafish Isura already. They did the Isura already. They said the prophecy already. Now he's telling Moshe what to do. Take them and kill him. Moshe Rabbeinu knows what to do. If they were opening their mouth, Yeshua jumped on them to stop them. If Moshe Rabbeinu could be a different story, but he didn't. They did the Yisud already. Whatever he held, the Yisud was. Now he's telling him what you do now. How you punish them? He punished the Moshe Rabbeinu. He knows what to do. So therefore, what happened? He uh, he didn't have children, but Menan. So comes again and says, "Ufliga Ababar Papa." This is arguing on Ababar Papa. The Amar of Ababar Papa. Different reason why Yeshua didn't have children. You know why he got uh, punishment? Because one night during one of the wars, uh, Yeshua was the cause that the Jewish people were not able to fulfill the mitzvah of Peru Urvu. And because of his actions that he uh, stopped B'nai Yisrael 
from Peru Urvu one night, Boreala punished him as a result. What was the story? Yeshua was fighting the first war of Israel against Yiriho. He lifts his eyes up and he sees an angel standing in front of him and a sword. He was waving a sword in front of him. Which means obviously the angel was coming here for a, not to help him. He was coming, he's mad at him. He's coming to kill him. So the Gemara says, the angel says, I just want to get the right word. Is that Vayomer or Vayomar? Yes. The Harbosh Lufabi Ado Vayelech Yoshua Elav. Give me the continuation of the passage. Yoshua walked towards him. Vayomer Lo Halanu Ata Im Letzarenu. This is not in the Gemara. I'm giving you these pesukim outside, so you know the story. He told him Halanu Ata Im Letzarenu. Are you with us, or are you an adversary of us? So uh, the angel says Vayomer Ki Ani. No, he says no. I am the angel of God. I came now. What is the conversation going on over here? So he says like this. He says like this. Yesterday, meaning this afternoon, as a result of you fighting the war, you didn't bring the Qurban Tamid. Because they were out there in the battlefield. So they didn't have time to bring the Qurbans. Listen. Already yesterday, you didn't bring the Qurban Tamid. And now, you made Bitul. Bitaltem Talmud Torah. Now at night, as a result that you continue to fight. So now you stop the people from learning. You see, in the olden days, they used to fight mainly by day. What did the soldiers do by night? They learned. So it's an amazing thing. I mean, you're in the middle of the battlefield over here. So the 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 the, 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 the Malak is telling you, sure, I have two claims. First of all, you didn't bring the Qurban Tamid. Second of all, you stopped the people from learning, which is good, by extending the war into the night or preparing an ambush, which he was doing at night, they were not able to learn Torah. So therefore, he says, you stopped them from learning. So what happens? Al-Ezimehen Bata. So the Yoshua asked the angel, okay, which one are you coming for? You're coming to punish me because I didn't read the Qur'an? Or you're coming to punish me because I made, I stopped the people from learning? atabati. He says, I came now. Meaning if I was coming for the Qur'an, I would have came in the afternoon. I came now, meaning it's because of the Bitul Torah. Miyad, what does it say immediately after that? In the next war that Yahushua fought, this is what was over. In the next war it was against Ai. In that war it says, Vayelech Yahushua Balayla Hahu. He went that night, in the valley. Meaning when it says that he went, where did he go? During that war, he went that night and he studied He learned the lesson from the Malach that even in war, there is no exemption from learning. So after they fought by day, and night he got everybody together, and they didn't only learn. But they learned. It's an amazing thing in the middle of a battlefield. How do you have the concentration to learn? They were able to concentrate. So you see the the, the Malach came along and uh, rebuked. Now before we go further to see where he was mevatelim for Priyav and Ibya, let's just see the way the Tosfot uh, in Masechet Megillah learns this uh, learns this story. 
the angel comes along and says the following. He says, Halanu ata im And then the angel comes along and says, Ata bati. You know, I came, uh, I came now. So the Tosfot says like this. When he says ata bati, there's a pasuk that says, Ve'ata kitvu lachem et hazot. Now write this shira and give it to Bnei Israel. So therefore he's saying, Atabati, I came for the mitzvah that the Torah uses the word, Ata. Now furthermore, how do you know that he came to rebuke them also for not bringing the Qurban Tamid? So he says like this, Which means, Yeshua is asking, did you come for Lanu? Or did you come for the item that protects us from our enemies, which is the Korbanot? So the Yeshua was asking, uh, which, uh, which item are you reviewing? Or the item that gives us protection? What's the answer? Atabati. I came for the item that says, So therefore, uh, Yeshua rectified that in the next war. When he went to meaning, because the Prophet had to give us that he uh, rested in the Emek, in the valley. Ella must be coming to tell us, Omka, Emek is Omka, the depth of Halakha. So comes the Gemara and says, and we continue, Ugmidi, and we have a tradition. Which means by the fact that Yeshua was still fighting the war of Yiriho at night, meaning they were strategizing and ambushing, the Aaron used to go out with the Jewish people to war. Now, at night they kept the Aaron in the field. They didn't bring it back to its place at the Mishkan. And the Halakha says as long as the Mishkan, which is Shekhinah, is outside of its place, Tashmisha Mita is forbidden. Based on the principle that says, If the Shekhinah is in exile, so then already they have to commiserate with the Shekhinah. So therefore, Yeshua bin Nun caused the Jewish people for one night not to fulfill the mitzvah of Periyah They couldn't, because the Aron was... Now, what he should have done was, the Gemara is saying is, Put the Aron back to a spot, and eh, tomorrow's another day. So because of that, Avon, of stopping Abiyasev from procreating just for one night, Yeshua Benun did not have any children. So it's a mahlukit. What was the reason of not having children? Was it either Moreh al-Akhar of or was it Midah Kenegel Midah, you were Moreh al-Priyavribya, so you don't have Priyavribya. Now, the Shita the Tosfot in Masechim Megillah is that he actually had children. He only had daughters. But he did not have Badim. He did not have sons. That event, the Gemara continues. Amar Shmuel bar inya mishemederav gadol Talmud Torah yotem akrabat temidim. Okay, you see over here that um, the study of Torah is even greater than bringing of the korban tamid. The Amar le atabati because the angel came along and said, "I'm coming now." Meaning, he didn't come to get them for the Qurban Tamid. Hey, Mr. Qurban Tamid, it's tolerable. But the fact that he didn't learn Torah, that's worse. So the fact that the angel wanted to kill Yeshua, 
because of the Talmud Torah, you see it's more than Akramat Medin. Amar Abruna, Amar Rav. Okay, some laws of Tzini'ut. Kol Ayashin, Bikil'ah. Anybody that sleeps in a room, She'ish ve'ishto shiruyimba, where there's a man and wife in that room. Now, if there's a man and wife in the room and you're sleeping in that room, what are you going to cause them? You're going to cause them not to have tashmish because they're embarrassed. There's a guy in the room over there. So anybody that sleeps in the room, when there's a man and a wife there, Allah b'katuv omer. On him, the pasuk says in Micha, Neshe' ami tegarshun mibet ta'anugeha. Which means that the women of my nation were chased out of the house of of their enjoyment. Which means they're trying to say this in a bad way. Because this guy went and slept in the room with this couple, so therefore he chased away uh, them from having uh, Tashmish, and therefore they were not able to have children. So therefore it's, uh, it's Avon. Ve'amar Rabbi Yosef, afilu be'ishto nida. So it comes along and says, wow. even if the uh, wife is nida, we're obviously not going to have, uh, you know, relate. still not proper for somebody else to sleep in the room. So Ravak comes along and says, Ravamar, imishto nidahi, tabu ala biracha. What do you mean? On the contrary. If his wife's nida, better that he sleeps in the room. He'll stop them from making an havon. So comes the Gemara and says, Velohi. That's not so. Why? Until now, who watched them? Which means uh, the lady wasn't Nida just a second, she's Nida for a week. So where was this guy the whole week? Whoever was protecting him till now, uh, will protect him now. You don't need this guy to be in the, in the room. Like the Gemara says, Which means the Jewish people, once the Halakha says that it's forbidden, they're not going to make any suit, even though they're living together, and uh, the other because she's destined to be permissible, so therefore why should he do something be'isur when he can do it better? Therefore it's not modest for the man to sleep in the room even when his wife is Nida. Gebarah says, now we go back to the laws of Eruv. There was a certain Mavui, there was a certain Hatser. There was a dweller in the Hatser, his name was Lahman Bar Ristak. Okay, he was a goy. Now, what did we say yesterday in Halakha? The only option to settle with a goy in a Hatzid is you have to rent his property. Mm-hmm. Doesn't help to make an Aruv. Doesn't help if he renounces his rights to the Hatzid. The only option is Shirut. So what happens? Amrule, so they tell the Haman Bar Ristak, Ugar Lan Rishutach. Rent us your property. No ugar lehu. Like the Gemara says, <laughs> the Guin do not like to rent the property. Atu amrule le'abaye. So they went out to Abaye, they want to know, uh, what do we do in such a case? So Abaye had a, a good idea. Amar lehu, zilu, go, batilu reshutaihu legabehad. Everybody should renounce their rights to one Jew. And now what will end up happening? Which is we learned yesterday that Halakha follows the Bili'izah bin Yaakov. The Bili'izah bin Yaakov said, when do you have to deal with the Goy? When there's at least two residents and a Goy. But if there's one resident, one Jew and one Goy, so then already, according to the Bimi'ir, you still have to worry about it. But according to the Bimi'ir, according to the Halakha, was like him, because we said Mishnato Kavinaki. So therefore, when there's two residents, you got to be concerned. 
When there's one resident, no. So they had a good idea. Let all the Jewish residents come and nullify their reshut to one guy. So they're like they're non-existent. So now it's one Jewish resident and one goy. What's the deal with one Jew and one goy? You don't need to deal with the goy. Now, granted, granted, those Jews that renounced their rights, they would not be able to carry now from their homes into the Hazir. Because they renounced their rights. But what are you gaining at least? You, what you gain is, first of all, that one guy can carry at least. And what you're gaining is things that were in the Hatser before Shabbat, it is permissible for everybody to carry. So there is some benefit. We're going to learn that deen later on. But the point is again, he told them, let everybody renounce to one. Now it's one goy, one Jew. What will you gain? Well, first of all, at least somebody can carry from their homes into the Hatser. That's the guy that gets all the Rishiyot from everybody else. And everybody else, well, they won't be able to carry from their homes into the Hatser. But in the Hatser itself, the things that were there before Jabbat, they can carry. So that was Abaye's way to get around this uh, deen. So the Gebarah says, hold it. Not going to help. Amruleh, they told him, Midihu ta'amah, which means, what's the whole logic? The whole logic is, why did Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov say that when there's one resident of a Jew and one goy, that you do not have to, you don't have to make an eruv over there? Because it's not a common prevalent case. Why? Because one Jew is not going to live in the Hatser with a goy, because the goyim are suspected of shefichud damim. So therefore, in a non-prevalent case, we don't make a gezerah. So the Gemara says, But over here, first of all, we see that what? They are, they are dwelling. Which means, over here we see that what? The whole logic is what? Because it's not considered shchiyach that they dwell. But over here, they are dwelling. Amadehu is a wait. Kol betuler shutayhu gabe had milta deloshkihahu. U milta deloshkiha lo gazubera banan. Which means like this. They were saying, Panama, they're living like this. You tell me it's not shkiyah. What is it not shkiyah? Maybe if it's one resident with one goy. But here, it's really a lot of residents. So therefore, true, you found out a way to mevatel reshutayu, but bottom line, it's shiyah. Meaning, it's a case over here where there's a lot of residents with a goy. Therefore, how can this work? So he says, yeah, true, I agree. While it's shiyah that many residents will live with a goy, but it's not shiyah that many residents are going to mevatel reshut to one guy. So therefore, this is a case of lo shiyah. And what's the name of lo shiyah? Lo so let me review that second again to you. Which means, Abaye came along and said, let them have a tell the shoot. you have no problem. Why? It's one resident, one goy, you don't need anything. They told him, what do you mean? This is, this is Shia over here. It's not one resident. Which is bottom line, you have many people. Which means, many people that are living together will live with a goy. Because they're not worried about it, he's going to kill you. Because you have a lot of people. He says, I agree. That part is Shia. But the fact that you're going to have a case where six Jewish residents are going to be tailored to one, that already is not so common. So in a case of such, where there's a 
goy in the in the chazer. Uh, the rabbis did not make a gezera. Therefore, that was the way Abaye was able to solve the dilemma of this guy not wanting to make the eruv, or not wanting to rent his reshut to them. Amen. Amen.